Welcome, and thank you so much for joining us. I'm Sandra Ladd, and I'm the Senior Minister for First Christian Church Stillwater. We are growing a Christ-centered, compassionate church where all can connect to God's love. And we hope that in this time you experience growth. We pray that this time will help you focus and center on Christ and that in this time you will sense care and compassion. We pray that this time provide you with a deeper connection to the love of God. Grace and peace be with you. And again, we thank you so much for gifting us with your time. This girl just needs the pulpit today, don't you think? That was our sermon today. We share the joy that we ourselves have received with other people, and we are exciting and bubbling over with that news. We do it through baptism and through teaching and through preaching and through praying and through serving together, trusting that God will be faithful. Because listen up, baptism doesn't save you. Praying doesn't save you. Um, Serving doesn't save you. Point up, everybody's fingers up to the sky. Who saves you? God saves you. But he uses all of those things to accomplish that. You are here, each one of you are here to learn and to grow and to find opportunities to serve. And I loved your papers last week. Those of you that did papers and brought them to me about how people had shared the good news with you and how you were gonna share the good news with others. So today, I invite you to write or draw the ways, the ways, not who, but how did people share the good news with you and what are your gifts and talents and how can you use those gifts and talents to share the good news with others, all right? Let's bow our heads and pray. Are you ready? Gracious and loving God, what gifts? And we recognize them as such and we give you glory and honor for each one. Guide us as a congregation to train these, to help them to grow in receiving God's love completely and fully and wholeheartedly so that they can step out in the world and share that love completely and fully and wholeheartedly. Guide us in the mission of growing a Christ-centered, compassionate church, connecting all to God's love and use these to be a part of that purpose. In Jesus' name, we pray these things. Everybody say it with me. Amen. Amen. All right, go back to your seats with the challenge, okay? I wanna see them after worship today. This is week two of our study of 1 Timothy through our series, Room at the Table. Isn't it awesome that we're running out of room at our children's tables and we may have to bring in some more chairs for that? Um, it would be great to have that same problem in the sanctuary, amen, that there is, we just have to make room because we will always find a seat for everybody. I know um, this week I want to share with you, just like Logan, I laughed when Logan shared that with me this morning. His words actually were, I need a little grace this morning. And I said, well, isn't it awesome that we're starting out with amazing grace? So maybe that will be your reminder that not only will this congregation give you grace, but God will as well. I need that grace also. This week has been probably the most challenging week that I have had to put together a message yet. Um, 
for a, a multitude of reasons. One, it's been a really, really busy week. Um, lots of really difficult things and lots of really wonderful things, um, but it's just been hard to find time to do this. And I know that there are many who are under the, under the assumption that all I do all week long is prepare for this moment because that's what ministers do, right? They prepare for this moment. But this comes together amidst a plethora of meetings, of time spent ministering to the needs of others, lots of personal study and disciplines, preparation for Sunday night fellowship dinners and involvement in a lot of Bible studies and family time and fair time and all kinds of other things. So basically what I'm saying is that my life is really no different than yours trying to find balance between all of the things that we're called to do. And some weeks are just more challenging than others. If you just look at the passage from 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 7, you'd think, well, that's a really easy passage to just wrap up in a pretty little present, put a bow on top and present to the congregation. Easy peasy. But sometimes the most, simplistic, the most simplistic passages contain the greatest complexity. And now that we've moved back to the Revised Common Lectionary, to really get the most out of these passages requires studying all of the assigned passages and finding the common thread between them all. This week we have Amos chapter 9 verses 4 through 7 with a warning for those who place profit over the interest of others, stating that God cares about every action and motive of man. He doesn't automatically dismiss our harmful actions, especially those against others, but he will hold us accountable for each and every one. We serve the God of justice, and justice is an important thing to God. He is the God of justice. If you think about that, your every word, your every action, your every deed, especially those who have caused harm or heartache to another, it could be a bit concerning, except that Psalm 113 states that God's actions are just above human behavior. God raises people up out of the dust. God lifts them up out of the ashes. From beginning to end, God's nature is always for people and not against people. Luke 16, 1 through 13, which is the third passage, tells us the story of the dishonest servant or the shrewd servant, whichever version of the Bible you happen to use. It is a story that is full of challenges. It is an inside-out, upside-down story uh, where what you expect is going to happen is not what happens, sort of like in real life, right? Um, in the end, there are these words, you cannot serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and you'll despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Which brings us to the passage that we highlight today in 2 Timothy chapter 2, or, I'm sorry, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. So we're going to try what we did last week again this week because it was so wonderful. We won't do this every week, but while we have these short passages, we're going to give it a try. I want to encourage you to grab a pew Bible and turn to page 196, and you can follow along there, or the words will also be up on the screen. I invite you to stand if you are able. You can sit if you prefer. We're just going to read out loud or at least together um, in unity. So find that passage, stand or sit. 1 Timothy 2, verses 1 through 7. First of all, then. 
I urge that supplications, prayers, intercession, and thanksgivings be made for everyone, for kings and all who are in high positions, so that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and dignity. This is right and is acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who desires everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, there is also one mediator between God and humankind, Christ Jesus, himself human, who gave himself a ransom for all. This was attested at the right time. For this I was appointed a herald and apostle, I am telling the truth, I am not lying, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. If you're standing, you may be seated. Let's join in prayer. God, the power of your word is so evident as we speak those words in unity. We could do nothing more than gather and hear that word and our spirits would be uplifted and inspired We thank you for the word of God given to the people of God, and we ask that your purpose be accomplished in and through it this day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I want to start off today by sharing a bit of important context that will be very helpful in understanding this week's passage concerning prayer life. Number one, you need to understand the customs and the traditions of Jewish prayer life. According to the Jewish prayer book, The traditions Jews still practice today, prayer, and I want you to know this because I love this, prayer which means service of the heart. So just like we put our hands and feet to work for God's service, prayer is putting our hearts to work for God's service. And prayer was offered three times a day. It was offered in the morning, in the afternoon, and in the evening. Some scholars believe that that practice was based on the examples from King David found in Psalm 55, 17, where it says, evening and morning and noon, I utter. And also the prophet Daniel, who in Daniel 6, 10 says to get down on his knees three times a day and pray to his God. During the Babylonian exile and in the time following, Prayer practice was formed as a substitution for worship in the temple. Community prayer, praying together in unity, was preferred over individual prayer. Not that individual prayer is not important or powerful, but that community prayer, according to Scripture, provides some additional benefits. That's number one. Number two. The fall of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple, the second temple, was a pivotal time. Jews were scattered all around the Mediterranean Sea. There was no central national worship site, no more treks to gather corporately in the temple in Jerusalem. If you remember, exile had taken place before the destruction, but and even though the temple was destroyed, it had been rebuilt And now it had been destroyed again. And this time, things were different in at least two ways. The temple, as well as the entire nation of Jerusalem, were completely destroyed, causing a massive number of Jews to leave or to flee. 
There were regional synagogues that popped up uh, and established where religious services would be held in a variety of communities. Jews no longer had their own nation, their own king, or any national or legal entities. The Sanhedrin no longer existed. They would now live under the mercy of regional kings, proconsuls, magistrates, or the Roman emperors who were in charge. The third factor was Gnosticism, meaning having knowledge. So that emerged as one of the most influential philosophies within the Christian faith. Gnosticism denied the full humanity of Jesus Christ and believed that God was actually not concerned about the issues of the world or people, that God was dealing with heavenly matters, that the world dealt with worldly matters. Gnosticism rejected the Trinitarian understanding of God. They didn't believe in Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And this was a huge threat to the formation of Christianity. Biblical scholars agree that the New Testament writers were most likely influenced by Gnostic thoughts, and readers today can still see that influence in writings. They were well aware of the dangers of Gnosticism, and they left its opposition, they left their opposition to it here and there in the New Testament. We'll see it in today's, we saw it in today's reading, and we'll highlight it in just a minute. So the scripture today starts out like this. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for everyone. So Paul is giving instructions not for personal worship, but for community worship. <coughs> Excuse me. First of all, I urge. This emphasizes the importance. Notice there's no second and third. I urge you, first of all, this is of utmost importance, that prayer is essential in your times of gathering. The New Testament has seven different Greek nouns for prayer. There are four of those that occur in this verse. Supplications, which are requests. There are desires, our needs. And all true prayer is going to begin with this sense of need, with this great desire within our heart. Two prayers, so how's that different? Well, that word symbolizes taking these needs, these desires, these requests to God and trusting that he always has a listening ear. Third is intercession. That word represents conversation and petition. But a lot of times we relate it to just the petition part and we forget the conversation part that needs to come first. Prayer should be a conversation with God, a communication with God, a time of speaking and listening, taking time first and foremost to connect with God, which generally moves us to pray on the behalf of others, which is intercession. It's the boldness to come before the throne of God pleading for the best interest of other individuals or groups, and usually it's those individuals of, or groups that are unwilling or unable to pray for themselves. It's a connecting with God and allowing God to move you into the requests for others. And then thanksgiving, which suggests that thanks should always be a part of our praying. Thanking God for what he's done in the past and faith to believe that our needs will be met in the future. 
for everyone, kings and all those who are in high places. Now, remember the context because that's why I brought it up. Nero was the emperor at the time, one of the most ruthless rulers of all time. Nero would later put Paul and Peter to death, which automatically brings thoughts to some minds that say, well, then it didn't work, did it? Can I remind you that the mission of Jesus was also to give his life for others? You see, the, Christian, the life of Christianity is an upside-down life. Peace and quiet doesn't always come in the way that we expect it to look. We just trust that that perfect peace and quiet was found by Peter and Paul, just like Jesus overcame death. God's word is always faithful and true. Nero believed that he was God and that um, the instructions that Paul gave are to pray. Prayers for all those in authority, in various levels of government, and that should continue to take place in our public worship. It should be a greater priority than posting on social media, than voicing our complaints to others, than protests or public displays. Not that those never have a place to happen, but they should all, always follow our faithful prayer for those leaders. We should be joining in corporate prayer before we go to the polls on election day and every single day after. Voting is a hard fought for privilege. I was reminded of that last week. We should be grateful for that privilege. We should take advantage of that opportunity. But there is a greater privilege that comes before, during, and after. And that is the privilege of prayer. It has even greater power for positive impact. Verse 5 is probably the most significant verse in the New Testament, declaring that there is one God, affirming the Old Testament scripture in Deuteronomy and Isaiah in opposition, in opposition to the polytheism of the day or the worship of various gods. The fact that there is only one God is the premise for both Judaism and Christianity, but there is a difference Christianity goes on to assert that there's also only one mediator between God and man, and that's the man, Christ Jesus. Mediator occurs only once in the Greek translation of the Old Testament. It's where Job was so frustrated by the fact that God was not a man with whom he could converse, and in despair he wishes that there might be someone to arbitrate between himself and God. Christ is the answer to this ancient cry for help, someone who intervenes between two parties, someone who makes peace between two parties, someone whose job is to restore relationship and form covenant. Christ, by his death, restored harmony between God and humans. He is our bridge. Christ closed that gap. He gave himself as a ransom for all. The word ransom was most often used in an exchange for a slave or a captive taken in war or battle. It means to be set free. Here is where I think we complicate things. I think here is when we get in the way of the mission of God. Clearly, the Bible says Christ died for all. He paid the ransom for all. 
To me, that's all-inclusive, every race, nation, tribe, and tongue. It's a free gift. The work has been done. The ransom has been paid. Baptism is a holy and sacred act ordained by God, but baptism in and of itself does not save us. It's the work of God through baptism. Our service, being hands and feet, does not save us. It's the work of God in and through our service that saves us. This sermon is not going to save anybody, but it's the work of the Holy Spirit in and through that message that saves us. It is not what we say or do that provides salvation for any people. It is the work of God that does that in and for all people. Now, there are two tribes, universalism that says, well, if God did the work, then men don't have to do anything. The work has already been done. And there's another tribe that says, no, 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 the work was done, but we have to accept that. We have to step into that. I'm going to let you determine which one you think is right. I'm not going to tell you the way to believe because I believe that God will do that through the work of the Holy Spirit if I trust him in all faithfulness, that as we seek fully and wholeheartedly to figure out what is God's will for all men, God will be faithful to lead us in that direction. What I know is this. If we take all of the little snippets of God's story with the common theme It can be very helpful. Remember, those words from Amos. We will answer for every word, deed, and action, especially those that negatively affect or impact other people, which is pretty much all sin if you think about it, but God. But God, according to the psalm, reacts in ways that are different than our own. God is always working on behalf of people to bring them out of the ashes that they've made because of their actions which have caused them to crash and burn. Luke 16, 1 through 13 teaches us that things are entangled in this complex web and we cannot ourselves see into the hearts or minds of men and determine an appropriate response. Therefore, we are unable to judge which is not our job anyway. We don't have the proper ability to judge people, and we certainly don't have the ability to save people. 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 7 says, tells us what our job is, to pray, to pray for all that they come to complete knowledge of the truth and salvation and to proclaim what we ourselves has found in truth. We offer supplications and prayers, intercession and thanksgiving for everyone trusting that the prayers of a righteous man, woman, boy or girl are powerful. And just like Paul, we share the good news that you and you and you and you and you, that all can be connected to God through the power of Jesus Christ who was himself human and divine, a mediator between God and man. He paid the ransom for all at just the right time. This is what we have to share with all in every way possible, praying they also, through the Spirit, find faith and receive truth. Amen.